All right, we are rolling. It's the Beer Bonnet Show, broadcast almost live in Portland on X-Ray FM and in Vancouver, Washington on KXRW, or available anywhere on your favorite podcast service. I like my change in intonation there. I do, uh, and what I really admire is that you're able to say KXRW, which I would have a hard time. <laughs> well, I, always call a hard. I always pause for a second. I am Patrick Emerson, <laughs> professor of economics at Oregon State University, and with me is Jeff Hallward. Author of several books, including the Beer Bible. It gets a little tiring saying the same thing over and over again. So I like to snazz it up. Hi, Jeff. It wasn't that long ago that you really admired that we had dialed it in, and now you're tired. I still admire it. I still admire it, but now I'm just saucing it up. Okay. I, I see. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hi, Patrick. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. We're still uh, in the midst of uh, wet, rainy Oregon fall. We are. And the funny thing is, as we record this... Uh, we're a few days away from an election that will have happened by the time people listen to this podcast. Yes. And I feel like I'd like to chatter on about that, but it if, will just If be, we still have a civilization so for people to, if there's still podcasts <laughs> still exist because societal collapse might have happened. It's true. A week or two ago, so. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, armed gangs in the streets. Failed elections, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so that's... Fun times. Fun times. Uh, I hope uh, things went well and everybody's happy with the outcomes or at least not um, ready to take up arms. And Right. Congratulations, winners. You know, yes. here's, a, here's a funny thing about democracy. If, I had to, if you had to give me uh, one sentence to talk about the, the, the thing that defines and also makes democracy so weak i would say it is the willingness of the losers to be ruled by the winners and um that looked so easy for so long and now it doesn't look so easy so it's... congratulations to the winners yeah. uh, i say now i hope that uh you were elected <laughs> and it didn't find anybody uh giving any crap so that would be nice that's a, that's that's how democracy is supposed to work yep yes uh, I'm still waiting for this big um, centrist wave. There, there is no <laughs> to, come, to wash, to, to cleanse us of all our uh, deep, deep, deep tribalism far off in the weeds in the left and the right. So there, there are no centrists, and I don't even think you're a centrist, and you know I'm not a centrist. I'm trying not to. Uh, I certainly occupy the. You know, I'm not in the tails of the distribution, which is where I think most of our politics are right now. I don't far think off in the tails. <laughs> we're we're getting too far afield here, and, and I don't want to. I don't want to. Well, you brought up the election. I don't so want to offend any of our readers, listeners, but um, but I do think that you're not a centrist. But we'll we'll talk about that when we have beers afterwards, and I'll explain why. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not the median voter. That's true. Yeah, you're not. All right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so you're a damned economics professor living in Portland, Oregon. So I just want to say you're probably a little bit. That's yeah. why I feel very right of center. I'm very left of center in other parts of the country. I, yeah, and... I think you're pretty. I think you're pretty. I think you're pretty average, Portlander. Yeah, yeah, probably. Am. Uh, and I'll take that. Yeah, let's, let's go Portland, baby. There you are. If it's still here when you could listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Ah, uh, good times. Big fun.
We'll always have beer. Yeah. Well, the weather uh, does uh, lead us naturally into the subject of this podcast. Indeed. Uh, the cold weather seems to come fast. This year, the cold weather seemed to come overnight. Yes. Uh, it seemed to be 80 degrees and sunny one day and 52 degrees and raining like heck the next day. Uh, the rain often comes, but it's usually that transition period where it's like 71 and then 65 and then 63 and then... But no. No, we just skipped the low 70s, 60s, high 50s, basically, and went right into winter. Yeah. Uh, I, I often um, think to note... The last day I wear shorts because it feels like <laughs> yeah it's a it's a significant That's a big day the pants day is a yeah big day. exactly it's like okay this is it I'm going for a bike ride I'm putting on my shorts is this the last day maybe maybe I'll get one more I don't know I don't know is this true we like, are definitely not in shorts weather right now yeah that's the that. one thing about Oregon is it really is there's one day in the spring where you switch to shorts and then yeah. you're in shorts the entire <laughs> for about five months and then you switch back to pants and then you're in pants and that's it like yeah. there's no there's no there's no shoulder season for shorts and pants here. no there's not <laughs> all right i'm going to read your beautiful uh, text here it so, is actually quite I, I, I put myself out for this one. yeah through october crisp mornings often give way to sunny afternoons after halloween however the days grow short and the sun disappears behind gray clouds once we fall back after daylight savings end Darkness starts arriving at the end of the workday, and the sun makes a slow, sleepy return. Winter is coming, and bringing the cold and wet with it. On today's show, we offer a tonic that's at least a thousand years old, the Winter Warmer, a beer to heat body and soul. Oh, that's really nice. Thank you. I don't know if I did it justice. I, 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 no, you did Over you, dramatic. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's our, that's our brand. <laughs> you didn't just blast through it. All right, so Winter Warmers, I can't wait to get started. But first, got to do the news. Good Beer Hunting, Kate Bernat reported uh, on a fascinating development. This is actually fascinating. We'll probably have to unpack it afterwards. Uh, Pepsi, the soda company, of course, uh, has created a national distributor called Blue Cloud. It will deliver Hard Mountain Dew and Lipton Hard Tea. Pepsi owns neither one, but they are setting up an integrated national alcohol distributor, which has the network of smaller beer distributors scattered around the country rattled about what might come next. This is actually one of those things that nobody's going to pay any attention to and could be a massive, Until, massive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's so you know my first thought I, this is the first I've heard of it this this moment but my first thought is if you're really going to create a national distributor that's a huge upfront fixed cost well unless you're Pepsi and you already got one and you already know you already got the trucks already got, it's, oh so it's like it's a company within a company a, a distributor within a distributor so you don't have to have like uh, like um, bespoke trucks I don't think there's bespoke trucks I think there's just different trucks with been painted with a blue cloud symbol uh, I'm not actually sure no that makes a lot more sense because I, I was thinking not. this is a massive bet like on this market going to be big for a long time yeah, I don't uh, think you're 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 yeah. Yeah, I think I think this is the thing that has freaked out beer distributors forever. Beer distributors forever is they look around and there's a lot of food distributors out there. There's yeah. a lot of trucks going all over oh, the, the country. The Pepsi truck's going to start. If you just start putting beer or alcohol on the trucks that are delivering the Pepsi and the Funyuns to the local <laughs> grocery <laughs> delivery outlet, you're making me hungry. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that could be that could really upset the apple cart in terms of beer. And uh, they were really angry. fifty different micro regulations about how exactly you can do that. But Pepsi, I'm sure, has figured out a lot of it. 
they I'm certainly have too. And the fact that they're not distributing their own product, uh, I think is going to let them kind of, you know. Okay, but part of this rests on the success of hard Mountain Dew, things like hard soda, hard soft drinks. Well, it's not even because we already have hard sodas, basically all kinds of flavors. Right. But these are hard soft drinks. Right. Uh, is that going to become a thing? Uh, Go. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, I, I think, um, I don't think it has to be a very big thing before it's really going to upset the apple cart with yeah. distributors. And I, I feel like the distribution network, the whole, the whole thing that led to distribution is a nearly century old, like hack Rube Goldberg hack. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, to, that was post prohibition that they were trying to do a, some things that don't really align with, with modern uh, beer. So, and one other thing that really throws everything haywire, and I tweeted about this, uh, so I'm just going to, I'm going to mention it again because it's kind of bugging me. I don't know why in the United States we don't tax alcohol based on ABV instead of categories. So we have three categories, beer, wine, and spirits. Yeah. They're all taxed at different, uh, rates yeah instead of and it's based loosely on the idea that they have different strengths mm -hmm. but if you make a, a, a flavor malt beverage out of vodka and it's five percent your tax at a totally different rate than if you make a beer or malt based uh flavor malt beverage then you're taxed as beer and it's called beer even though it's not remotely beer right and it's just it's just crazy we should just tax by abv and then then beer can go ahead and not have to worry about all these weird things and we don't have to worry about them being in the beer industry and it would just, I don't know, just make so much more clarity. It makes sense to me. Thank you. So I figured, I figured uh, as an economist you, you'd like that. Yeah, you should, Mr. Jeff should go to Washington and just like... It really perverts the market when everybody's trying to make a product that they can call beer for tax purposes when everybody knows it's not remotely beer and just irritates me. It'd be worth it just to stop your irritation. <laughs> exactly. I think, yeah. <laughs> one, stop one man's irritation. Uh, yeah, and then uh, that leads right into the idea that people don't charge. Um, uh, typically, bars don't charge different prices for different beers based on ABV. Some do, but right. for the most part, no. And that's, you know, in the UK, that's very different. And that's a lot, to do, a lot has to do with taxes there. And it's true. You, then you have to decide where you're going to cut those slices and everyone's going to, you know, wine is going to want, the wine industry is going to say, oh, they're, everything below 14% should be one rate so that they can sneak everything in there. Yeah. And beer is going to be like, the beer industry is going to say, no, everything above 8% should, or everything below 8% should be. Yeah. And then one is, industry group's going to get some little like addendum loophole on theirs and someone else is going to get something on theirs. And yeah, pretty soon That's it's going to be a hodgepodge. <laughs> That's the sausage making uh, <laughs> that leads to all beer bills, but still like a man can drink. All right. Uh, over the past several years and 170 podcasts. Oh my gosh. Wow. This is, this is 172 now. Yeah, I guess 171. Sorry. Plus a couple of specials thrown in there too. You've heard us end our show with information about how to get in touch with us. Well, we may have to update that part of the script. As we record this, it has been eight days since Elon Musk became owner or chief twit of Twitter. And in that time, he has managed to make social media site, the social media site's very existence a matter of real interest. Given the very real challenges society faces, this can hardly be called a serious crisis. And yet, for a vast swath of interest groups, including our own beer Twitter... Losing this chatty medium would be a tangible loss for the way we talk to each other. 
Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you're following this, uh, and the, the, the truth well, is, I'm it's following be... the bloodletting that's happening right this very moment as we exactly. record this. Exactly, <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to when people hear this, uh, you know, they're going to know a lot more because it's going to be a couple of weeks down the line. Yeah. Uh, but oh my God, can you have you ever seen mismanagement at the level that Elon Musk has botched the what he's doing with Twitter? Yeah, I didn't even. I mean, I don't feel uh, even remotely capable to to judge much at all because. Um, I have no idea. I mean, this doesn't seem the way you start. It seems like you might want to take a couple of weeks and think about things. Yeah. But then you're not Elon Musk. Yeah. Well, uh, he's moving fast and breaking things. He's breaking, <laughs> the thing he's breaking is the thing you just spent $44 billion on, though. You'd think, like, maybe you wouldn't break that. But, hey. Yeah. What's $44 billion when you've got $180 billion or whatever he has, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's paper money. You can get you can get you can get by with with 120 billion probably you can manage. You know what I, I tell you what I, you give me a one billion and I'll try to make do with that. Just one billion. Really? Yeah, I'll, I, I could I think I could squeak. You by. think you could get by with that? Yeah, actually I can manage. A little belt tightening here and there. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's funny to me when people talk about him burning up 44 billion because of course it's not burning up anything. He's just did this massive transfer to Twitter shareholders who are probably dancing around thinking, oh great. I got totally. this amazing cash buyout. It's like if someone comes by your yard sale and says, oh, look at that terrible old couch. Here, I'll give you $100,000 for it. Oh, okay, thanks. Here, take it away. And he <laughs> I'll drive it home for you. And he doesn't have those $200 billion sitting in a bank account. He didn't write a check out of his personal bank account. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's leveraged. It's, it, yeah, I don't know. It's funny money. Uh, it sounds awful cool from uh, his perspective that you just create this bastion of free speech but everyone knows it's pretty soon going to dissolve into a cesspool and that's why all his advertisers have have started to pull back and he can, he he's blaming interest groups but of course that's not it if you're a billion dollar billion dollar corporation you got to protect your image and name and you can't be associated with racist misogynist uh fascist <laughs> <laughs> or, or corrupt. I mean, one yeah. one big form of speech is is grift, yeah. uh, grifting, you know, and and graft, and and uh, so we're going to see a ton of that. The more you open up the gates, the more I imagine. Uh, I imagine. And it's sad for me because I use it. I don't really use it much socially at all. It's just basically my news feed. So I just totally. subscribe to like ninety percent of the things I follow are just news organizations or or uh, or um, people who who tweet out cute animal photos. I, I love it for that reason too, and I actually I know a lot of people hate Twitter, uh, but I find it is the most useful way of aggregating information. Yeah. for me, I yeah. can get I, just, I can get great information. Yeah. So I mean, I still I mean, I, I subscribe to the New York Times and the Washington Post and and uh, Wall Street Journal. So I good go to God, man! I know. Well, I I want to support traditional news. It's not going to last much longer. Oregonian as well. I subscribe to those guys. Wow. Do they still deliver a newspaper? N- uh, none of this I get. Well, I, I do get the New York Times paper version because I just I'm an old man and I like having a piece of paper in front of me but the rest I just do digital huh yeah the Oregonian really the Oregonian I do it only as a way to try to keep some semblance of local news going I feel like they they long gave up that ghost I would give to the one I'm if it were me but that's you do you do you, you I know, do me you do you, you. Do you. I'm well, not I'm not doing either one so what who I, I, I got nothing to say well I think we've already seen in the last 10 years the effect that the gutting of traditional news has had on local governments oh absolutely local and yeah. state governments I just feel like Willamette Week does a really good job with that stuff they do they, they, uh, I think it's they, true they, they have more people covering I'm just a, I'm a legacy Oregonian subscriber so I've just kept it up yeah 
Uh, You're a legacy human. We're both legacy humans. <laughs> <I am. laughs> we are both. We are both uh, as young as we'll ever be today. That's true. Yes, that is. Uh, did you? And did, older than we ever were. Did you? Did you see that on a tea bag? Uh, I saw that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't know where I saw that. Yeah, maybe that's where I saw that. <laughs> All right, let's get to the topic because I want to get to drinking. Yeah, <laughs> we talked good. about it's kind of it seems slightly macabre. Uh, our podcast. So I'm far. going in. So we got to start celebrating. Yeah, you start talking and I'm going to start pouring. All right, so we're going to vassail. Yeah. Uh, well, we're yeah we're going to talk about winter warmers. Okay, so we're this is start talking about wassail to begin with. No, we're, but wassailing. Yes. So this is a tradition. So winter warmer is this kind of. There, I'm going to try to give some audio, but we don't have. Mabel, or whatever her name was before. I don't know that we'd need to drink all... Yep, I'm oh. pouring the whole thing. All right, you're pouring the whole thing. Okie dokie. <laughs> well, uh, we're off. Oh, we don't have extra glasses, so you're going to have to finish it. <laughs> I know. That was... Uh... Uh, what is that podcast? Drunk History. Oh, Drunk History. I haven't listened to that. That sounds awesome. It's uh, it's awesome concept. I can't say that I've listened to it either, but someone was talking to me about it just the other day and saying that I must listen, and I thought... That's a lot similar. That sounds very similar to what Jeff and I do. <laughs> drunk beer stuff. Yeah, uh, that's true. So yeah, you get smart people drunk, and you have them talk about stuff they know. So there, we should just mention that what we poured out was the uh, our special ale, Anchor Brewing, uh, one of the most, probably, well, I think, nationally the most famous of the winter beers. Uh, they put a different tree on the cover uh, every year. That they release it, and they have a different recipe, uh, and they put different spices. It's it's a spiced version uh, of a winter beer, mm-hmm. and we, this is the first one that uh, I've had this year. So. This year's tree is the blue gum tree, which is also known as the eucalyptus glob. Oh, I can't read it. Globulus. That can't be right, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Could be yeah. close enough. <laughs> um, it. I wonder if it has eucalyptus in it. It's kind of got a. Yeah, you know, maybe a eucalyptus smell. That might be a little uh, hint there. Boy, you're right. That is really tiny writing. So this is, uh, there is something deep, deep, deep uh, in my psyche about eucalyptus. Mm -hmm. Because though I moved to Wisconsin when I was pretty young, my first few years of life Mm. were in Palo Alto, California. And particularly the Stanford University campus has tons of eucalyptus, but there's a lot of eucalyptus around. And the smell of a eucalyptus tree is strong, and it's in the air when you're around eucalyptus. And so, that has that has the it resonates with my young childhood experience. All right, connect that to what you're tasting here. And, is there eucalyptus in here, and I'm smelling eucalyptus on the nose. I uh, I'm not sure if it's because eucalyptus is there or if they just got that scent. But they planted the seed by seeing that it was a gum could tree. Could be. Oh. No, I. It has that sort of menthol eucalyptus. Mm-hmm. Uh, smell and flavor. Mm-hmm. So I think there's eucalyptus in here. But it's but it's a minor note when you taste it. The malts are rich and uh, roasty and nice. So it's not like it's a big whack of eucalyptus, which is good. I think it's a nice beer. It does give a little bit of bitterness, though. The, like a little bit of a medicinal bitterness. Yes, that's true. There's a, I'm trying to read this neck label that explains a little bit of it, but they don't. They don't talk about the ingredients, so yeah, we could have we could have done some research and looked it up beforehand, but ah, that would be off brand. That would be off brand. We don't want to do that. We'll we'll send the listener to go look up what right, it is. So it's a winter warmer. What's the classic winter warmer, Jeff? Like, what are you looking? What do you expect to see when you pour out a winter warmer? Well, 
There is no winter warmer, and yep. I think we need to go. We need to go back. Let's do it. Because in order to come forward, we must first go back. Uh, the winter warmer or the the winter ale thing uh, mostly is a is an English tradition. There are other other countries have have uh, some traditions. One of my favorite actually is in Belgium. There's the beer de Noël tradition, the Christmas mm-hmm. beer. Yeah. Almost every brewery will make a spiced dark spiced ale. Mm-hmm. Very very much on brand for what we're going to talk about. Yep. But in the United States, most of the things that are we call winter warmers go back to this uh, UK tradition, including what we're drinking here. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's this this tradition called wassail, which mm-hmm. is going around and celebrating with people. And uh, they would offer you, when you go to their house, you might sing, and they would offer you a bowl of warm beer. Mm-hmm. And it's so old that uh, the term is the Old Norse, Ves heil? I don't know. Heil? Ves heil. Uh, a toast that means to be of good health, uh, which makes uh, a lot of sense that it would be Old Norse because we're talking long, long time ago. So uh, that's a, a cool uh, lineage that goes way, way back. Mm-hmm. And when you look at these old beers, and I don't, I'm not going to be able to give you precise times, uh, but they are, uh, they were typically spiced. And warm, so mold beer, which kind of makes sense. Right. So that the warming was literal in this case to warm mm-hmm. your belly. And you have to kind of think, like back a thousand years ago up to, I don't know, the 19th century, we didn't have uh, heating, you know, so things were cold and yep. you had to warm your waist, <laughs> warm yourself up uh, from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's one thing that they were doing. Uh, and it, it's there's a lot of old recipes and cool stuff, but basically they were spiced, they were heated, uh, and they would often include things like fruit, sometimes eggs, and this was fascinating. So the eggs, when they when they heated them, they would like get frothy and kind of boiled, and you'd have like a, a woolly appearance on the top, which uh-huh. is, seems weird to me and kind of gross, <laughs> but that was kind of a common thing. And this is the most interesting thing in my view. Sometimes they would float bread on the top of it, and we believe that the reason we have the word toast, to toast somebody, goes back to this uh, process of putting floating toast on the top of the wassail. Ah, so you toast someone's health. Ah, that's a fabulous little factoid. Factoid? Uh, you got to love that. True or not, I'm believing it because I like it. Absolutely. Some of this stuff, most of the stuff that you hear on this podcast, you know, it's too good to check. <laughs> Do your own fun. Yeah, too good to check. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but one interesting thing is, um, mold, mold beer is something we can still do, but here's a hot tip. Uh, if you're going to do it and this would have been, so by the time we're doing English mold beer, it's going to be after about 1500 because that was the UK was the last European uh, country to take hops as a tradition. Mm -hmm. Uh, so before that they wouldn't have had hops and you can, you can boil it, you can do whatever you want. But once you have hops in a beer... Uh, if you boil it, they will get really, really bitter and gross. So you right. want to you want to warm it, like simmer it, but not boil it, right. and uh, right. just kind of heat it up. And then those those hops will not get nasty mm-hmm. on you. And if you want to do it the old way, you can uh, you can you can throw sugar and spices in, in there, uh, or or if you're brewing it, um, you know you can put them in there in the brewing process, like the one that we're having. So yeah. I think this is a good evocation of kind of the classic thing. So uh, this is this is a dark brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, in color, the nice uh, uh, 
creamy head. And they would have probably almost certainly been dark uh, a thousand years ago because yeah. uh, that's we it's had smoky on, the, malts. on the strong side to warm you up by the alcohol as well. This is seven seven point two percent ABV. That's right. Um, this one really does have quite a strong menthol-y. That's the dominant flavor of this. Uh, but it is, there is a malt, a significant malt base that you taste. Yeah. A bit roasty. So these are some of the things that I associate with modern American winter beers is a darker color, more roasty malts, spices often, a little, little higher alcohol generally. Totally. So this hits most of those. Yeah, you got you to gotta warm the insides. Um, and then... Uh, just speaking of warning sides, so, so a lot of these would have been, uh, you know, if you're talking about a thousand years ago, up, up until you know, 500 years ago or something, they, they might have been uh, much weaker beers. Uh, however, uh, some were not. And there's a nice reference that I found uh, that I've included in the Beer Bible of a Scottish version that had a pint of whiskey <laughs> added to a quart of beer, uh, included eggs. And uh, this concoction was said to get a man's boot off on a cold boots off on a cold night. Uh, so I think yeah, you would uh, before bed. This would really uh, warm you up, and you might wake up frozen because uh, you definitely sleep through the night. Reminds me a few years ago when uh, these beer cocktails. Uh, what was it called when you put the warm wort? Uh, in oh, with whiskey. hot scotchy. Oh, hot scotchy, yeah. That reminds me of that. Awesome. I know, those are great. Yeah, so the hot scotchy. <laughs> let's, do a whole, let's do a whole podcast on that so we can be, so we have an excuse to drink those. Well, you got to tell people what a hot scotchy is. So a hot scotchy, when you're brewing, uh, you, the, the word comes out. You take the first runnings. They're very sweet and very very uh, thick and malty. Mm -hmm. um, very much like has a breakfast cereal flavor. Yeah. And then you throw some whiskey in that. And, uh, ooh, tasty. It is. <laughs> it's very nice. Uh, yeah, so um, I like it. Man, you just threw that down. Too. I did, because we got to get to the next one. I know. I may have to pour my own on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm inspired by drunk history. We're going to have drunk uh, winter warmers here. In All right, well. I don't have anywhere to go. You're the you're the man with all the info, so all I have to do is just sit and nod. We're about to run out yeah. of my info because I'm going to talk about a tradition that you you lived through, so you can talk about it too. And then all we have is is drinking beer and talking about winter warmers. Well, let's go as, as they've as they developed here in the United States. Okay, so what do you got in your hand? So this is the Deschutes Jubilee, uh, which debuted many many years ago. Uh, I believe, and this could be a romantic fact, but I believe. That it was actually the first beer Deschutes bottled. Wow, really? I believe so. So that would be probably around 1990, something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is an old beer, but every year they come out with a new iteration. I think that's typical, right, of these winter beers that American brewers do, is they tweak the recipe every year. I, I don't know that they do that for Jubilee. They definitely have a new label, but uh You don't think so? Once again, we have... Uh, I think they tweak it slightly. I think, in fact, we if you go back to the... To the podcast uh, where we were there. They might even have talked about that. I'm not sure. Podcast 38. <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> Could be. Could be. I have a 1 in 71 <laughs> chance of getting it cracked. <laughs> All right. I got I to gotta knock down this. Uh, I'm trailing. So th th this this tradition of these dark. So the, the, the Jubal is 6.7%. Uh, 
and I think, you know, we're looking between 6.5% and 7%. Many, many, many breweries in the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest, uh, from the 80s through, I don't know, the mid aughts or something, mm -hmm. had a dark, strong beer they called the Winter Warmer. Yeah. Uh, uh, yep. Full Sail had Wassail. Mm -hmm. um, there's Snowcap. Who makes that? Pyramid made Pyramid, Snowcap. Pyramid made Snowcap. Um, and others. <laughs> uh, Sierra Nevada has... Um, Celebration, but thank that's you. A, thank you. That's not a dark beer, and we're, we're going to get to that 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 whole tradition okay. later. Uh, so this uh, Jubilee has a very similar profile in color and uh, head to the Anchor, so it's dark brown. Put that away from you, so you don't try to pour the rest of it yeah. out of my glass. This is this is roast, this is much more roasty on the nose. Not a spiced ale, so we're not getting any eucalyptus, right? So you get a lot of a lot of roast. Oh yeah, that's jubilee. It just smells. Uh, it smells. It, it tastes familiar to me. Yeah, it tastes like winter. It tastes familiar. To, to your point, that's a jubilee. Like there's no doubt. But I do think they they slightly tweak it. They've tweaked it through the years. It does seem like some years it's a little bit more roasty. Mm. Some years it's sweeter. This is uh, uh, a, a nice sweet version. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting, I mean, there's roast, but it's, uh, it's full and the malts are round. And, yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm surprised that it's only 6.7%. If you'd asked me before we looked at this bottle, how strong is Jubal? I would have said it was 7.2. Oh, really? Yeah. Still Which is a half a percent. It's not, not a huge amount, but I just remember it being really strong. And I guess in 1990, 6.7 is really strong. Yeah. <laughs> we just don't think of it as really strong. Anymore. That was the pre-double IPA, imperial IPA, imperial imperial stout, imperial porter, imperial everything. Yeah, it was pre that that era where everything was just being juiced to eight percent, and it <laughs> for was, no reason at all. Yeah, it was considered a, <laughs> in my period, in my opinion. Still, I don't know. It doesn't seem that strong, even 1990. Definitely right? more hoppy than the the, the uh, right the wholesale. And I think so that's the anchor. The anchor. I do think that's a characteristic of the Northwest. I think these yeah. things would have had more hops. So, yeah. uh, and you know, you, you look at it. A little bit piney. A bit piney hop. A little bit piney. Uh, you look at these things and you could say, oh, you know, it's a brown ale or it's a porter. But they don't really slot into, I mean, maybe a brown ale, strong brown ale. But uh, it's definitely not a porter. It's not roasted. No, like no, that. no, no, no. It's not a stout. You know, it's it's, mm -hmm. it's, its own kind of style. And yeah. Uh, I often thought of them as kind of a jacked up Oktoberfest, but they're ales, so they're more ale-y. They're a little darker than that. They're a little darker than that, but it's kind of that idea, that sort of fall beer. Yeah, totally. Dark and, and, and uh, malt forward. Put a little rib sticking, put your... Yeah. And I was, I, I joke, I was joking before the, before we went on air, on pod, on whatever, that, um, uh, because these are all high alcohol beers and... That's dangerous. <laughs> Which saying, is why when you I just said, started give, pouring out half, <laughs> giving giving us each a half beer right off the bat, uh, was a little anxious. Yeah, so I said, give me a good nut brown ale. But I was half joking and half serious. I mean, that's also a nice uh, fall kind of beer for fall wintery beer for me because it's malt forward. It's it's kind of got that full mouth feel that you get from that nutty roasty malt. Uh, so it has kind of a similar characteristic, but usually much less alcohol. So there's another way you can celebrate the winter it is curious that the in the winter you want both uh roastier 
palate like that's you don't want a roasty palate in the summer in the warmer months it seems much nicer in the in the winter but also sweet sweet is good you also want sweet and you don't want a lot of sweet in the summer either so yeah that's a really good point in fact i, I think sweet, in fact i think sweet might be even more important than mm -hmm. right and i i hadn't thought about that till now professor jeff well uh because it's true i get a much stronger sweet tooth in the winter and I, i'm sure that's just pure biology right like Mm. It's winter time. You need to store fat, and, and so going back sweet. to the, this whole uh, wassail tradition, where they were putting dumping sugar and spices in it. To, yeah. yeah, it's like to That's just survival, right? Yeah, That's yeah. just your genes, your your <laughs> cells trying to survive, right? Your genes are telling you you gotta have sugar now. It's right, time, it's time to have sugar, 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 sugar. You yeah. gotta make it through the winter. You're gonna burn calories. <clears> to have. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I never thought about that, but yeah, I think you're I think you're absolutely right because I don't I don't care for these beers in the hot summer months at all. No. No, you want crisp, you want dry. Yeah. You don't necessarily want dark. I don't mind dark, but I know people don't like dark at all anymore <laughs> in any, in any <laughs> season. But um, even even I don't love dark in the summer. Yeah, I guess I'll have a Guinness. But... All, right, all right, well done, Jeff. Now we got to move on to another one because yeah, so needs must. Needs must. And we have Nikasi Slayer here. And this was a, a mid aughts uh kind of update so at this point in the mid-aughts and at least in the i don't know what's happening in the rest of the country but in the northwest uh the jubal style was bog standard everybody made them that's yeah. what a winter warmer was yeah but then people were starting to get away from these darker beers glug, glug, glug. and uh we i'm pouring for you ah, awesome this is the stronger one too which is nice uh, oh, thank you. You're Very welcome. nice. Um, so people were looking at how do we how do we expand the the franchise? Like, let's get into different styles. And yeah. this was called like a Shtika alt beer when they first released it. They don't mention that anymore. I assume it is basically the same beer though. And this one is like seven two, right? And it, it is uh, seven two. It is darker than the other two. Mm. And it is definitely. Really, uh, sort of coffee, roasty. I think on the nose, it's even a deeper roast. It is. You're right. <clears throat> I don't remember that from maybe like way a back. black black patent or something like that. Malt. Yeah, it's it has it does have kind of a distinctive coffee aroma. Mm -hmm. It really does. Like a medium roast coffee. Yep. Because you know, which makes I'll, sense for the winter. I also drink coffee in the winter than I do in the summer too. Mm. Partly because I wake up and there's yeah, like that's several hours. Super satisfying in that coffee roasty malt. That's what's really featured here. It really is. It's quite roasty. Even even a little toffee I would say. Slightly. Yeah. Absolutely. Because there's that sweetness, but it's sort of kind of a toffee sweetness. One thing the last two beers really did <clears throat> was rouse a beautiful head. Yeah. Uh big kind of um uh, mocha colored head creamy mocha yeah yeah that's right and this one by the way is it's much more subdued in the hopping don't you think relative to the Deschutes we're starting to get to the drunk history part uh, <laughs> hops sure yeah. hops I don't know hops. Napoleon when he <laughs> little known fact he used to wear two left boots 
I can I can give a few beer facts from Napoleon. You want some some drunk history? Yeah, go for it. All right. I don't think so, you're drunk enough, but go for it. Uh, you know that it was it was it was Napoleon and his army who named uh, Berliner Weisse the Champagne of the North when they uh, were invading, charging through Berlin, and I, they they got really into the Berliner Weisse. There. I did not know that. Although and, you probably told me, but that's the beauty of being 50 plus years old. Exactly. I did not know that. <laughs> and apparently they would ride with their with their bottles of Berliner Weisse. And do you know about sabering? Uh, no. Sabering is this thing where you take your saber and oh. put it on the... On the, uh, on the, the Cap of the, the, the cork. You, well, you start on the bottle like back a ways. Uh-huh. And then you race it towards the cork. Boom! Uh-huh. And you hit it hard and it pops off. Uh-huh. And you do it properly... Uh, you don't like it doesn't explode in your face. <laughs> so there's some talent. To that's do that. yeah. That's a that's a that's a top move, man. That's, yeah, I know, right? So there you go. The next time we're that's uh, a flex. Yeah, that's next, a flex. I'm gonna savor my bottle, baby. <laughs> the next time we're hanging out, uh, doing a little I'm gonna bit of my, history, yeah, we're gonna bring my history. We're gonna savor next time. <laughs> go for these beers the proper way. There you go. That was excellent drunk history. Thank you. But uh, you promised us two. Oh no, that was that was the second. No, there's I, I got another. Okay. Uh, oh <laughs> I was like, did you know he tried to invade Russia and it was a bad idea? No, 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 that's Hitler. Wait, what happened? When and I got all confused. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was the the whole monastic tradition died died out because uh, in the French Revolution and Napoleon, they sacked all the the, uh, the monasteries. The monasteries, ah. and that's why the 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 tradition of Trappist brewing and all this stuff—it's it's a revival. It came back after they were able to re-inhabit the European monasteries. Wow! So that goes back to there too. So drunk or not, I have to be impressed because I threw out Napoleon completely out of my ass. <laughs> and look at you! Look at you tying in two pretty significant beer facts to Napoleon. There you go. Well done. See the power of the winter ale. That's there you go. <laughs> Demonstrated. It, it lubricates and frees the mind. Yes. And all these things, all these facts come pouring out. <laughs> uh, we're we're at thirty eight minutes. Okay. So yeah. we got a lot. We got a lot of pod, we got a lot of pod to fill. We got a lot of drunken podcast. Well, we got one more beer, and we have. Uh, which, oh, we have another beer. Oh yeah, oh, we have my another gosh. beer, and we have we have our uh, we have our one mailbag entry, which uh, we. The last time we recorded a podcast, we had a million mailbags, and then this time we had one. So, uh, thank you to everybody who sends it. Keep sending them. Please. Million is better than one. Uh, and that's the end of this PSA. Thank you. Yes. Uh, okay. So, I'm moving on to the last winter ale. So, we're up to the mid-aughts. Now, people are starting to experiment. Here was Slayer. They stuck with a dark beer. They stuck with a roasty beer. They went for an alt beer style. Slightly different. Different tradition. Wait a minute. Is this a, a, a lager then? Uh, no. Alt beer is a lager-like ale. Oh, okay. Um, but it is not a lager. Uh, and, but it, it, I, I feel like that's still the same. It's quite a, a, a smooth and... Yeah. That's uh, why I ask. Because yeah. it, it has those lager-like characteristics. It totally does. But then the IPA tradition comes in the United States and I think this kind of did the winter warmer in for, for to a large yeah extent. and I'm part of the problem because I, I just fell in love with these beers so let's, let's so we have an example of one of the kind of the classics of Oregon here alright alright you gotta drink up my friend 
got to do more drug history. Get ready. I'm going to throw out another name. All right. <laughs> it may not have anything to do with beer, though. I can't do that with every historical figure. <laughs> Attila the Hun, I can't do it. All right. So what is this tradition? Uh, well, then we get to hops, right? So yep. then brewers are like, people don't want to buy these old, these old weird roasty ales. Right. They want to buy IPA. So we got to figure out how do we make a winter warmer that's an IPA. Yeah. And that brings us to Double Mountains. Fa la 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 la. In this case, just four laws. Fa la la la. The la 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 part, you have to add yourself. You have to add yourself. I mean, it goes without saying. And so this is basically a spiced IPA. Uh, it's not spiced. So, oh. sample, and all will be revealed. I mean, uh, I have to do smell. Similar to the beer that I've talked about many times in the past, which was Wreck the Halls, the old full yeah, John yeah. Harris full sale beer. So I think that's. Now we're getting, yeah, you're right. Wreck the Halls is another good example of this, mm-hmm. this style. So for one thing, uh, it, it is an IPA. This is bad boy is 7.5%. Oh, my God. It's an amber stronger. color now, not a dark brown. That's right. So it, it, it's quite a bit darker than a standard IPA, but yep. it, is, it is clearly a still in the pale ale category. Yeah, you're not getting the roast malt anymore. But, man, that nose is hops. But what kind of hops? It's like standing in a wet. It is like a pine forest. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like dripping, dripping pine cones on your head. So I think that's what people thought. They thought, you know what? We got to up the pine because what says winter more than a pine bough or a a fir a fir tree? I love that. I just I love those winter IPAs. And that's was was that's was the winter IPA born. with the hops expressing the winterness. So here, here's a drunk, a drunk history. Uh-oh. All right. We are... All right. We're going to have to pause, pause. the podcast. Should I do the pause music? So this is undoubtedly a, a delivery of Jeff beer swag, uh, because Jeff always gets beer swag. Free beer, free beer stuff. It may actually be. So we're back. Uh, and it may actually be a winter beer that it, you just got delivered. It may be. It may. It's from Double Mountain. It may be. Follow la. <laughs> that would be too precious. I oh my god, that would be too too good. Um, so, uh, uh, what I was going to propose to you was that these winter IPAs are are maybe some of the first like super hop saturated. Because in a way, what these winter IPAs are just like. Dank hop saturated. Oh my gosh. Look at that. Is it? It is. It is. Exactly the beer. <laughs> exactly. So, so listener, this was not planned. <laughs> but wait, not that one. This one. Uh, but we were, we were, uh, <laughs> we're going to take a picture of this and we're going to put it on the Instagram. All right. Uh, we were in the midst of live podcasting and the UPS guy in this case showed up delivering a sample of a shipment from Double Mountain. And in the shipment was exactly the beer we're currently drinking, the Fala La Winter Ale. There you go. That's amazing. It's serendipity. It is serendipity. The, 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 the beer gods have spoken, and we are doing the right thing. It would, it, that is true. Although it would have also been kind of cool if we had been doing this and I hadn't had it, and it was like, oh, another one. I was going to say, if it was a fifth winter beer, then we would have to crack it and drink it. And Absolutely. We'd be even more drunk. Yeah. Uh, and you also got a chocolate stout, by the way. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Mm. So these are not spiced. Because I, I always know. associated with them as they did some kind of spicing that went on. But it's just from the hops. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the anchor has 
created the expectation in some people's mind that they should, the winter ale should be hopped, but or should be spiced. They're they're not always, and uh, in this case, we have we have three of the four beers are not spiced. But I'm talking about the winter IPA, like the Wreck the oh. Halls. Oh yeah. I so I always thought Wreck the Halls might have had like a hint of spice in it, but I guess it's just what they get out of the hops. Yeah, and it's been so many years since I've had Wreck the Halls, I can't tell you. Yeah. Uh, that that was um, rest a, in peace, all of the. Yeah, the that brewery, sale, especially mine. That brewery still exists, but, <coughs> but yeah, the beer doesn't. Might as well not exist. That is uh, Winter Ales. I would love for listeners to send us messages about the Winter Ales in your part of the world, because I don't actually know too much about the street. I know in the Northwest we have this long tradition of Winter Ales. I don't know if, what, what you have in other parts of the country. Yeah. So yeah. there's there is there is one brewer, beer called uh, Cold Mountain that is made at uh, in, in at Highland Brewing at, in Asheville mm-hmm. uh, that is a fantastic spiced winter ale mm. and it's one of their most popular releases and it just came out recently I got a press release so I know this tradition exists elsewhere that's a great beer I've had that beer but uh, but I don't know if it's a thing elsewhere or yeah. not and so. by the way there was a period a short period uh, God bless. <laughs> Where spicing beers was really popular. That's true. Which I hated because well, I almost always hated whatever they did to the beer with spice. But there's there's good use of spice and bad use of spice. And yeah. I, I invoked the beer and Noel uh, tradition in, in Belgium, and those are almost always spiced beers. They're usually dark ales, not always, but usually dark ales. Usually quite strong and substantially stronger than the ones we're drinking, like nine plus percent. Yeah. But the spicing is used so elegantly. That's the key. That you can't really tell yeah. uh, that it's it's like right on the borderline. You know, you get the esters and the spiciness from the yeast anyway. Yeah. And and even if you can tell it's a it's a spice, you're not exactly sure which ones. It's like is this ginger or maybe uh, a little bit of cinnamon? I can't quite. So tell. I feel like the the um, the that sort of spice fad happened right after the imperial fad, and it was all about hitting you in the face with something. And well, so you had all these overspiced beers for a while. This is and the so, American way. And so this is actually, I'm, I'm circling this back, because when I tasted Wreck the Halls and these winter IPAs, I thought, aha, they've, they've basically figured out how to just spice them just so, so, ever so slightly that you've created something a little bit more complex or I'd different. I'd like that. Or interesting. I, I want one of those now. Why don't we have one? Where are they? <laughs> but that my point awesome. is, my point is, maybe I was wrong all along. There wasn't any spice at all. It was just the way they used the hops or the, the types of hops they used. But uh, but that's what I appreciated about these winter IPAs. Which it just felt a little bit more malty and slightly more spicy uh, than a typical IPA, and it felt like the perfect fall drink for me. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I I feel like the cycle of American gastronomy, and this applies to liquids and solids, is you have the first wave is we're going to appropriate something or we had an idea and we're going to make it we're going to take it way too far <laughs> yeah and then slowly by it. increments we're going to dial, dial it back <laughs> to something good yeah yeah uh, no i actually think i think that's true in craft beer in a lot of ways like where we've settled now and especially because we have this sort of lager revolution mm-hmm. which i think people are, subtle, are are appreciating subtlety now in a way that they didn't used to and so these winter beers, uh, the winter beers that I like are ones that are have all these characteristics, but that do it in a, in a way that's more subtle and 
uh, and I can appreciate more. I, I don't like being hit in the face with anything. Right. With alcohol, with hops, with spices, with malt, none, none of that. So it's I, all about balance, baby. I, I have one more tradition to talk about that I think is cool that uh, requires people to travel if you're ever going to experience it. Yep. But it's very cool. And it is in Franconia, uh, beginning in October and going through November, they have a thing called Bachbier Onstitch. Onstitch is, refers to the, the casks that uh, beer is pulled straight out of. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not actually like wooden barrel-aged beers right they usually have a plastic lining it's just a serving thing but they are gravity fed and uh when you go into a, a pub in, in 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 various places in germany you'll find on stitch uh the bach beer on stitch is uh this incredibly cool tradition they have where different breweries will select different weekends and i think it's on a friday night maybe a saturday night they have they release their bach beer and it's always a dark bach it's pretty strong it's going to be the strength of these beers that we're drinking today. Right. And they, they, they crack it for the first time that whatever that weekend is. Right. And it's a giant. So many of these are in villages. And it's a giant thing. And everybody in the village comes and drinks the beer uh, all night long. And, and, qu- and quickly describe Bach. Bach beer is just a strong uh, lager. So in this case, they're a dark lager. Right. So it's going to be um, have a little bit of... Uh, it's probably going to be mostly... Uh, Munich malts so they're mm-hmm. not they're not super roasty right. but they're stronger but they're, they're darker, darker. Yeah. yeah so again you know dark with all the things that we've been talked about talking about it's kind of what you get even this yeah. IPA is a dark IPA so dark for some reason dark you gotta have dark uh, the cool thing is uh, in, in Franconia, people will go around and it's like a tour and you, you, you set your schedule and you find out which weekend you want to go to the different breweries. And yeah. That becomes this big thing. And I, the first time I went to Germany, I got there late enough that I was able to uh, see some of the Bach beer on stage and it was very cool. So nice. it's, it's a great tradition. And by the way, speaking of the color of the beer, I mean, all the senses are involved in drinking beer and a good brewer thinks about all the senses right. and in the winter. So a darker color the kind of aromas you're arousing, the flavors, all of that stuff is all a big part of the experience. Yeah. So I think dark is, yeah, absolutely. It's the dark season, so you drink dark beer and you feel you feel like it's warmer. I'm going back in, man. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. The fall is, I'm, 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 I'm in the pocket for all these uh, winter IPAs, so. Yeah. You're a hophead, man. For me, I'm a hophead, yeah. I'm, I'm from the Northwest, what can I do? It really does uh, bespeak... Uh, uh, of our region, though, and I know it's just that it's it's coincidence that we have these giant fir trees and yeah. and 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 outdoors that smell like this, and that the hops happen to smell like this too. But nevertheless, yeah, it really reminds me. Imagine of going for a long hike in the Cascade Mountains and then dropping into a pub and having a having this beer would be perfect. Yeah. Absolutely, warm you up, get you all the pine you want. Okay. Uh, we have a we have a mailbag. We do, we have, but I gotta find the mailbag. Uh, oh boy! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you you have to attempt this name. All right, so I'm gonna do it with confidence. All this right. is uh, uh, Tim Stumpke. I like it from Portland. So this is one of these uh, Midwestern things, uh, whether you uh, hard pronounce the e at the end, right? Uh, and in Wisconsin, you do, generally. Yeah. I mean, if it were 
you know, I, these name the the e the terminal e's are pronounced are voiced in German. So yeah. these are most a lot of these are German names. This looks like a German name to me. But I'm gonna say it's uh, Tim Stemke. And Tim, please let us know if I've massacred your name. And I yeah. apologize if not if <laughs> I have. But uh, but I'm pretty confident. So <laughs> uh, he, uh, Tim's from Portland, and he writes. I just listened to the latest pod and immediately thought of Sierra Nevada for a future pod on sustainability. Between the rail spur, solar arrays, restaurant garden, bike to work program, in-house daycare, water reclamation, and UC Davis business students studying their practices. Uh, I don't know about any of that stuff. No, I don't no. know any about that stuff, but I think that's a really excellent uh, uh, pod um, topic. Uh, my thoughts randomly immediately go back to Adnams. Yeah. Well, we talked about this. It was uh, we had another comment about this asking us to do this, and so I think this is the second time we've had. Yeah. This. So this was years ago when you were researching your first beer bible. We went to the UK, and I drove you around because um, you're not competent to drive on the on the uh, <laughs> the right side of the road. All right, never mind. The, the, the wrong side of the road. <laughs> the wrong side of the road. Yeah. Uh, but we went to Adnams, which is a place you wouldn't necessarily associate with modernity except that you abandoned me in edinburgh when i had to drive into the city to go to the one urban brewery that we had, we visited the entire time we were there I and did. you were like i did i said good luck screw it's off a stick I'm, shift car it, it was a, fun it was an e it was an evening uh tour and you had to get on the plane the next day and you couldn't be arsed to go with me so you gave me the keys and said good luck that's exactly right and it was brutal and i was a little surprised to find that you came back uh, that night I, it was to our hotel room. You know, I was like, oh, just back. That's surprising. Was a, <laughs> was a remarkable thing. Anyway, Adams have a big biodigester, bio which was the first time I had encountered such a thing. And they had a bunch of other modern technology. They had just done a whole big renovation. Uh, but so sustainability is coming. There was a recent article uh, that I sent to you, I think, about... Uh, Worthy Brewing in Bend. Mm -hmm. They're doing a lot of stuff with this. Working hard on reducing water uh, usage because water is obviously massive. Water usage is massive in Bend and water is going to get more scarce. Yeah, it's going to be really bad in Bend. So they're, excellent. They're probably going to... I mean, fortunately, they're not so far away from places with water. Like the yeah. Columbia River is not that far away. Yeah, that's true. But it is a good, exa a, a good example of uh, the types of things brewers are doing in terms of sustainability and I think that Tim's uh, suggestion is a great one. We let's let's do it. Yeah. In before, fact, before we started recording this, we talked about how how, how we're really really panicked about uh, global warming and what that's going to bring to our kids. And yeah, in fact, really I'm going to propose beer. something to you live on air, which is we should get ourselves down to Chico, California, and we should have like three podcasts worth of stuff on all kinds of things here in Nevada. I'm right there with you, man. All right. I bet done. I bet we could even get Ken to Ken Grossman to sit down with us. Yeah. I, I'm betting. All right. Done. So Tim. You're the, you're the catalyst. All right. Uh, Tim has a second thought. Who better to take over Anchor than Sierra? The money to do it, the proximity, legacy of the brand, are the, and they are the only brewery I would trust to do it correctly. I know it'll never happen, but a beer nerd can dream. That's a good shout. It is a good shout. It's a great shout. It'll never happen, but yeah. It, I, it, might, it might have happened. The thing is, it might have happened before Sapporo or Asahi or whichever Japanese brewery bought that brewery. Yeah, I find I find myself more sentimental about Anchor than any other brewery, as we've talked about. It was the first craft beer I ever had, Anchor Steam. It's because you're a legacy human. Well, I'm a legacy human, but as we talked about my eucalyptus memories, I started life in the Bay Area, and so Anchor was a fact. I grew up among hippies, lots of 
childhood trauma associated <laughs> that I'm working through still. Uh, but Anchor was was one of those hippie effects. It's true. We, we were kind of on the way to maturity by the time Sierra Nevada even was founded. We were... Yeah, Sierra Nevada came we were in middle school later, though. but I have a I have a super fondness for Anchor Anchor Brewing, and I uh, I think about them a lot, and I worry about them a lot. So I do too. It would be nice to have someone like Sierra come along and uh, and uh, run the ship. I agree. But so, thank you, Tim, for your, for your suggestions. Uh, I think you might have motivated a trip to Chico. I'm but... totally with you. I've always wanted to see that brewery, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't. It. I was actually thinking about this today because uh, somebody was talking to me. I was emailing with somebody whose brewery hasn't haven't seen who's close. Mm -hmm. So there's this uncanny valley around Oregon. So if you live in, so if you have a brewery in Portland, I'm there. I'm going to see it. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> but if you're if you're like 300 miles from Portland. <laughs> No I, chance. Or, or you're like three. But if you're in, if you're in far off in, on a fjord in Norway, that's right. Exactly. I'm coming, baby. I'm 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 all about you. If you're if you have a Belgian brewery, a, a famous Belgian brewery, I've probably seen your brewery, right? But yeah, if you're yeah if you're in Chico, I don't know. So it's like kind of hard to get to, but not so hard it's to get to. It's a little to. hard to get to, but it's not that hard to get to. Yeah. We're gonna get there. All right, uh, I, 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 I'm with you, man. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out that it is the most important craft brewery. In the world. Oh, well, I don't know about the world, but I would... In the world. Well, the craft, craft brewer, okay, you qualified it. Yeah. Not, the, not the, maybe the most important brewer. No, not the most important brewer, but I think in terms of craft beer, it's the most important name out there. Sure. I'm willing to defend that statement, drunk or not. So. It's, you know, it's either them or Brewdog, I mean. <laughs> that was, that's one of those that's one of those beer aided jokes that doesn't really work uh, unless you that's add a good, four winter warmers. That's and, a good uh, four winter warmer. Joke. That's a four winter warmer joke right there. Uh, all right, so a few words going out. Uh, please subscribe to us on Apple Site Fifty Seven. That's what we shoot for. <laughs> Apple SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to rate us five stars, please. That helps other listeners find the show. We'd love to hear from you, so please send your questions and comments to Jeff at beerbonablog.com. And as of now, you can reach us on Twitter. Yeah, who can say? By the time you hear this, maybe not. So we know. have there's three Twitter handles associated with the pod. So the first is Jeff's. Uh, at Birvana, then there's me at Beeronomics, and then there's the pod handle, which is at Birvana Pod. Yeah. Those all still exist on Twitter, and as of now, I'm sticking with Twitter. Like, yeah, I yeah. am too. We'll and see, I don't care. However, I will say this, and you know, everybody's tuned out now, so this yeah. is a hot tip for the for the hardcore fan. I have signed up uh, my at Birvana handle on a on a on the platform Counter Social. I've heard of Counter Social just recently, so yeah, I'm, I'm exactly. Check it out. I'm, I'm, check hedging, it out. I'm hedging my bets. Maybe I'll maybe I'll see if I can grab beer beeronomics on there. It just goes to show how good uh, Twitter is. It's it's a it's a it's a crappy version of Twitter, but you know that could become a good version of Twitter. That's Who knows? Right. Who knows? That's All right. right, but there's other ways. Instagram still exists, and we yeah. have Beer Vana Pod on the Instagram. We do. And uh, if I remember after the pod, which is low probability, but you never know, it could happen. Yeah. I'm going to post a, a a picture of the two. Fala bottles that we came, should do that right now. One that was delivered in the middle of the show. Uh, okay, what else? Uh, you blog at Beer Vana Blog. I think uh, I already did this stuff. And no, I didn't do the blog part. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. 
Let me see. Cheers. <laughs> you know the rest. We've done this 170 times. I think times. this makes for a much better podcast. We should just drink beers at the very beginning and then ramble on. Uh, I, the drinker always thinks they become more All right. Well, wherever you are, listener, I hope that the winter weather has inspired you to go out and find some winter beers and let us know what you think. That's right. All right. Cheers, Jeff. Cheers, Patrick. Cheers, Patrick.